Hey everybody, Scott Malcolm here from Money Mechanics. Just a quick message to say, any information that we share during this podcast is general information only. Please do not act on that information without considering the appropriateness towards your specific needs and outcomes. Ideally, we suggest that you go and meet with a financial planner and get personal advice. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Looking Under the Hood. I am Scott Malcolm from Money Mechanics, and we're unpacking the money stuff. Today, we're going on a bit of a different journey in regards to probably the one guarantee that I give all my clients, that big C word, change. Change is often that big guarantee that we have in life in that our ideas of what we want are going to change. We might have certain goals or plans set as we go through our career paths or through our life journey. And we may achieve those things and then go, well, actually, I want to do something different now. So I'm really excited and and feeling really fortunate to speak with someone in the change space, but also someone in the recruitment space as well, who can give some insights if you're going through that change path in regards to career and what you're doing. So it's exciting to welcome along Tracy Petrie from uh, White Cloud Recruitment. I'm really excited to have you here today, especially because I often talk to people about the system that we're born into and we've learned things from our families of origin. We often go down that path of getting told to, I guess, go to school, get your education, go and get a job, go, go get paid by, by someone and, and earn a good living. But sometimes it's actually about going, well, what are you passionate about? What do you enjoy doing? What, what's the stuff that, that lights you up and that you really get engaged with? And I know for you, your change journey and your, your career journey's uh, taken a bit of a different path recently in that you, you set up your own business. So congrats on that. Have you got a memory around money that was a joyous or happy memory when you sort of either first discovered money existed or first memory that sort of made you go, oh yeah, wow, this is a a joyful memory when it comes to the money stuff. I think it's, for me, it would be when I started working at the age of 14, I actually lied. So I'm almost 50. And if we go back a hundred years to when I was 14 years old, I went to our local hungry horse restaurant in New Zealand and I applied for a waitress job and I got it. And I think I was earning $12 an hour. And I just thought that was I was a millionaire and I saved up and within two years I had enough money to buy my first car, which was a Honda Prelude. And I just, I thought I was the shield. I really did. Earning the money and receiving a pay packet for me was big at 14. And then I I actually dropped out of school at the age of 16. I wasn't a school person. It just Mm. wasn't me. And because I'd already had that taste of money, I guess, and earning a pay packet, I went and became a receptionist for a computer company. And started on, golly, I think it was $12,000 back then. Would have been, yeah, it would have been the late 80s. And so I started earning a good wage and worked my way up. I actually fell into recruitment when I was about 29. I was interviewed for a job for a computer company and the people interviewing me went, wow, you're actually really good at what you do. You should become a recruiter. I'm like, recruiter, you're all salespeople. I hate recruiters. <laughs> throughout the, you know, throughout my career, you just talk, talk and, and you don't deliver. But as it happens, I've also got a, a very good organizational process background. I like change. 
And so I started with this recruitment company in 1999 and did a whole lot of process re-engineering for them and then started into candidate management and realized that there was this career that not a lot of recruiters did, which was candidate management. They only did sales. And so when it came to the candidate and their career journey, they just didn't give enough effort. I felt that they were treating people just like a number. They wanted the sale. And so for me, I created a career around candidate management and built up a team um, and I built up the Australian team as well, sitting in New Zealand. But then I moved into more of a consulting type role. So uh, I, where I did end to end, meaning I interviewed the candidates and I then I placed them again in technology. So that was my background. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I just felt that if you could give your candidates uh, a really successful consult around what their career was doing. People would come out of the meetings with me going, I know what I want to do, or you've clarified it for me. So I guess that's a long-winded way of talking about my money and what drove me into money. And that was a nice segue into my career. And then so I left New Zealand um, in 2012. I joined a company that I really loved, Ampersand. I thought they were brilliant. And I ran the change practice. We built up a project services practice and also a technology practice. And after seven years with them and being niche in the space of change management, I decided last March to resign and started my own company on about the 25th of June. Now, money-wise, I should have waited to the 1st of July, right? End of finance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, I had a client approach me to fill a role, so I actually needed to launch my company earlier. <laughs> that journey into, I guess, stepping into your own space, like I had that same change journey in that it was more pushed and thrust upon me from uh, I guess the universe, I was working in a financial planning business for about seven years and really enjoying what I was doing. But I think I just lost my real passion for the the work I was doing because I was working for someone else and working under their methodology and, and approach. And the universe, global financial crisis happened. The universe gave me a bit of a, a kick up the rear to push me in a different direction. And so that was 11 years ago now that I, I set up my own business. So And you've never been happier. Well, exactly right. And so I guess for people, especially because we're going through, uh, especially now with the pandemic and with COVID going through, people are, are going through a bit of change with regards to redundancy or career and potentially going, oh, wow, there's no job there anymore for me. And so whether it's like yourself going out and saying, actually, I want to do something different and change or whether it is the universe pointing you in a different direction there's opportunity there, but it, it it's a big fear thing as well. Like, I don't know how you felt about it, but... Yeah, huge. Oh. You know, I, I wrote a blog which is called Prepare, Plan and Take the Plunge. And I think if you do your research and you feel in your heart it's the right time. So people say to me, gosh, you must have been scared. You must have had sleepless nights. You know, you're a single mum. You've got a mortgage. You're going out on your own. But I had faith in myself and I knew I was good at what I did and I didn't have sleepless nights. In fact, I would be awake at night going, oh, what am I going to call my company? And what am I going to do? It was just really exciting for me. So I didn't have that fear factor. And that's when I knew the timing was right. The other C word, obviously, is COVID. And COVID has enabled a lot of people to reevaluate their lives. Mm. My sister has been working all her life, just like me. Her son is 19. She was coming to the end of her contract. She'd been contracting for six years for a government agency. She's a very, very good photographer. And she really sat back during her 50th last year, no, the year before, uh, she went to Italy and she went to Morocco. 
and she took the most amazing photos and she came back and said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take photos and I'm going to work with some tourism and re-ads and I really want to be able to use my photography. So she almost had an epiphany when she travelled. I think a lot of people in their 40s and 50s are getting to the point where they, is this it? Is this what work is all about? I've got another 20 years to go. I really want to do something that's passionate, but I still need to make money. She's on a New Zealand passport, so she can leave Australia. She's flying out and she's going to go to Morocco. She's got a visa and she's already built up a network over in Morocco with some tourism places. They love her photos. She's done some courses on Instagram around how to market herself on Facebook, have a website. So she could make a a small profit and she's going overseas traveling. Now, she doesn't know what that may bring. She's saved a bit of money so she can travel and not work for six months. She's you know, obviously got you know good financial head on her shoulders and she's prepared mm. for this and she's planned and she's taking the plunge. Wow. And, and I love hearing stories like that because I often sit down with clients and a lot of people in the public sector who go through that process and get to a point where they say, well, yeah, what more can I be doing? Or what is my passion? What are the things that, that light me up? And During our process with clients, we ask three questions and I'll I'll give a bit of a shout out to George Kinder, who's written a book called The Seven Stages of Money Maturity. In George's book, he he talks about how we all start to learn and pick up habits, attitudes and behaviours around it, but we don't often then take stock of what's actually really important to us in our, our heart of hearts. What's the stuff that lights us up? So for your sister, that ability to go and do the photography and and make that work. And there is a sense of, of having to take action sometimes with that change stuff because we can be sitting in our own heads for a while. And I think from my lived experience, I, I was sitting in a business that I was, again, doing my job and doing the, the process, but it wasn't until the universe, as I say, gave me the kick up the bum to say, well, actually, Scott, you need to be either out there doing something different. And, and that was my reinvigoration, so to speak. So if you're going through that change conversation, just just sit back and potentially look at if money wasn't an, an issue, if money wasn't an obstacle for you, how would you be living your life? What are you doing? Who are you sharing your time with? What experiences are you having? And really start to build out your ideal life. And again, it's not necessarily about having an answer straight away to that. I know I've had those questions. Uh, I got I picked those up at a course I did when I was 25. So that's about 15 years ago now, but it changes and evolves. And just, I guess, being in that space to really set that intention, because at the end of the day, the money is that means to an end. And I mean, Tracy, you were saying that the the ability to have the financial support to make that change is important, but it's really got to be aligned to, again, in your heart of hearts, why is that going to be important for you at the end of the day? And, you know, even changing careers and you've got a family to feed and you've got a mortgage. Mm. That's terrifying for a lot of people. People who want to try get into change management. Again, I've written a blog. Look in the link. Their love is people. They've gone through their career. They might be a general manager of operations. And what they've really noticed is not just that they do a good job as an operational manager, but they are putting in or implementing systems where people don't seem to be using it or they've had no training or it's been badly implemented and they see the impact on the people. So a lot of people that come to me to say, look, I want to move more into change management, I always go, what's your passion? Straight away, people. I want to make sure that people are landing the system, the technology, they want it. It's for for what they want. I, I want to feel like I have a voice for those people. And I want to make sure that the people, whatever change they're going through, through an organization, that it's as smooth as possible and that it doesn't disrupt them and it doesn't scare them. So they really think 
that a career into change management would help them. And the ones who do make that change career successful are the ones who have that very good nurturing side to them. They're good listeners. They are empathetic. And it's the personality traits more so than the industry experience that makes a good change manager. And if they have a training background or if they come from comms or they have HR, that's almost an added bonus because then they know some of the activities of a change manager. But a good change manager will be someone who has the attributes from a cultural personality point of view, and then they learn everything that they need to learn. Tracy, have you got some insights for people, again, going from that government organisation or from a a sort of secure position to then going, right, I'm going to go into consulting or contracting and I'm going to go talk to a recruiter for the first time? What would you say to someone who's doing that or going through that process? I would say a firm handshake is always good. (laughs) And how many young people, when I was interviewing help deskers, I would I would send them out of the room and go, let's do that again and let's have a firm handshake, son. Knowing what they want to do, and if they don't know what they want to do, be honest to the recruiter. Sitting down with the recruiter and talking to them around, look, this is what I've been doing, and you take them through your journey of your career, and then you talk to them about your passions. And if they want to stay on the same path, obviously, the recruiter will help them guide them into Really think about what your passions are, what you do on a daily basis that brings you joy. What are the things you don't like so much? And can you live with that? What are the industries you really like? Are you really passionate about education? Are you really passionate for the not-for-profit sector? Is it something that you want to be able to be involved in with the not-for-profit sector? What can you do with your skill set that you could bring to the not-for-profit sector? There's a whole bunch of things that you can pre-plan in your own mind, I guess, and talk through with friends and talk with family, um, talk through with your partner to say, look, this could financially impact us because this is what I'm feeling. But the more you open up and be honest with your recruiter, the more that we can help you. My style when I interview, it's not, Tell me about a time when it's not very, (laughs) I just have a conversation. Of course, I delve into their experience and I understand what they actually do on a day-to-day basis and what they've been responsible for. But it's really to get to know the person. What do you like doing on a project? You know, what styles do you really gel with? What's going to make you feel better on a project? Which ones do you lean towards that, you know, you enjoy more? So it's really just having that conversation with your recruiter and and having a bit of preparation of your own before you walk in that door to be able to think of all the things that you really enjoy doing as well as what you do on a day-to-day basis. Finding a recruiter that you feel is listening to you as well would be a good one. Mm, Yeah, because I was going to say not all recruiters are the same. I mean, I guess how we met is my beloved partner was in recruitment and he used to share all the good, bad and indifferent stories of the industry and the sector. And and again, he's gone through a few different change processes with regards to career and path and and all those sort of things. So I think it is just probably without sounding too cliched and all the buzzwords these days, but leaning into it a little bit as well is probably a, a fair assessment and going through that process. In the, there might be a bit of fear there and uncertainty, especially if you are, again, coming out of government and we've got a lot of clients who are in defined benefit super schemes. And so I remember watching my dad and it's probably one of the reasons being Canberra born and bred that I didn't fall into the public sector when all my uh, friends were doing the same thing. But my dad was getting very close to retirement and the super scheme offers a, a 55 retirement option. And so uh, I said to him once, when I was thinking about career, I was like, oh, dad, like you don't seem like you enjoy work as much anymore. And he's like, oh, I'm just counting my days, son, counting my days. 
And that was one of my things where I was like, well, actually, I want to be inspired by my work and I want to do something that's interesting. And so, and I'm not saying my hi, dad, you're probably listening, that he wasn't inspired by his work and just going through the process. So leaning in or, or moving into that change process. How have you found business as well? I guess that's a whole new minefield to get in. I know my first probably even being a financial planner, I'd gone from being employed to then running my own business. And it's basically this massive upward learning curve. So how, how have you found that? Change? Yeah, you know, my process background, I'm very methodical. I, I found it really easy. I found mm. I just, It's all about networking as well, though, Scotty. So mm. my bookkeeper was recommended to me by another recruiter. So she's got a recruitment background. Fantastic. My accountant was recommended to me at the dog park. My lawyer I met at the dog park. My website developer I met at the dog park. So it was almost a community getting me up and running. And for me, it was exciting and I I had prepared. I knew what I needed to do. I literally had a list of tick, right, let's get the website sorted, tick, next box. And it literally was tick off everything I needed to do. So mm. for me, it wasn't a steep learning curve. It was just I knew I needed to do step A to Z. Yeah. I'd Googled how to set up a small business. I knew I needed an accountant. I knew I needed a lawyer. With my job, I had read a lot of terms and conditions and contracts anyway. Or I, I, there wasn't many contracts yeah. I had not read in depth. So I knew I, what I needed to do. And then it was fun. Yeah. It was fun developing things for my company. You know, my thinking of the name White Cloud, which is a nod to, you know, Aotearoa, land of the long white cloud, which is New Zealand. Yeah, beautiful. The whole thing was really, really lovely. And when you know you're ready, it's actually really enjoyable to go, oh, I need this, or I need to have a database and I'm going to try different ones online and see what works for me. COVID hit, obviously, it took a bit of a slump, but mm. I had faith in myself. You know, the first eight months of my business was booming, yeah. really good. It was better than I could ever have hoped. And so, you know, five months of quiet time when people were still shell-shocked around COVID and what it meant for that organisation, mm. that was okay. I gave time to my son's homeschooling. Hats off to all teachers, by the way. And I really enjoyed that downtime. It, it invigorated me again to when I started to reach out to clients around July, August, and started to get more roles in from September and October. And obviously, we're now in November with the market. Yeah. We're getting busier and busier. And, and that again, it, it re-energizes me. I've had five months downtime. It's okay. I planned for peaks and troughs. I love that build your network and rely on that capability. Because as you say, like you go to your, your local dog park or parents group or community that you're engaged with, then you will actually find a, a wealth of resources. And I know I often say to people, if I had my time again, I would be more planned in that I, I would have had more capital behind me and, and those things, because I guess my business is very different from a service and picking up client perspective. And so income-wise, I'll, I'll happily say this to people, well, the first couple of years was really hard. Like I was either pulling myself down from the, the ceiling or picking myself up off the floor because I was either going, awesome, this is great, or, oh, God, why am I doing this type champagne of a... Champagne and razor blades, we call Yeah, it. yeah, champagne and razor blades all the way. I guess it is just have your framework in place, have processes there to, to move through it, and enjoy the process as much as possible because, as you say, Tracy, that, that whole, especially if you're starting your own business, that can be exciting. But if you're changing career or you're changing employer as well, that can be exciting. It can be that renewal, that refresh, that reinvigoration that uh, we often need as human beings as well. There is a generation approach to things. Hmm. You know, people of my age, we don't like a lot of change. We, we're hard workers. We, we feel guilt a lot. Hmm. And I think 
for the first couple of months, what changed for me was I felt guilty every day that I wasn't busy eight hours a day. Mm. I wasn't mm. doing something. And if I wasn't sitting at my computer, then I'm obviously not working. But it took me a while to realize that I've always worked hard, but I've also worked smart. So what I can accomplish for myself without the stress and 24-7, you, mm. you can do it. What I'm seeing with a lot of younger people, they're not afraid of change. They seem to leap really quickly into another career. So in the old days, you'd go, oh, three to seven years. You know, that's pretty much what you're going to stay in a job. You know, both of you and I, we left a company after seven years. We got that seven-year itch, so to speak, you know, from the work marriage. A lot of people, you know, in their 20s and 30s now, they're going, that's okay. 18 months is a good stint and we want to challenge ourselves. So I, I find that the people who are in their 20s and 30s do seem to have a bit more uh, resilience. I think it's just that they're used to they're used to change mm. and so they feel comfortable. But yeah. that's where you step in to say, well, that's great that you're doing this, but what are you doing from a financial point of view to make sure that you're not mm. spending everything and that you can retire comfortably? Because I guess, you know, people like myself and my age, we have worked all our lives yeah. and, you know, we have a good fund for retirement, whereas people in their 20s and 30s, because they are moving a bit more, they do also mm. like to spend, they really need to think about, mm. about that. So we do have different generational, different mindsets on change. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think especially in business as well, like if you're going to being a contractor or consultant or uh, setting up your own business, I often say to people, the biggest challenge is then, sure, you might earn better income, but making sure you're throwing money forward for your superannuation or putting money aside to build up asset because the biggest challenge is you might be earning great income while you're in business. But I've seen so many people that that haven't done that forward planning and they'll roll into my office when they get to, to 55 or 60 and go, hey, I want to retire now. And it is that after effect of saying, well, yeah, we've run our business the whole time and we, we just assumed that we were going to be able to sell it or, or get some asset value out of it. And so that, that's not guaranteed. I often say to people, no. that's, a, that's a bonus. If you, if you get that, that's a, a bonus. But what you need is that framework while you're, you're running through your business to be putting money into the right places as you go. Look, Tracy, short, sharp and sweet today. It's been great to chat with you. I've, I've really enjoyed our, our conversations and looking forward to a glass of rosé or, or bubbles uh, in, in person soon. But any parting words? Just be courageous. You know, COVID has been hard. Take the time out to think about what is passionate, what you can make a business out of, if that's what you want to do. But also talk to someone like yourself around how to best manage your money. You need to be able to be smart doing this. I took the plunge, but I backed myself, but I did have that leeway. So you need to make sure that you're still smart around your finances when you do make any type of change. If you've got a partner who can support you, great. If you don't, then you need to pre-plan. Start doing courses, start squirreling money away for when you do take that leap. I love it, Tracy. And, and look, also probably don't be afraid to reach out to someone like yourself. So as I said before, recruiters often get that sort of bad vein, but I know a number of them who actually have, again, their clients and their candidates' interests at heart. And just getting the insights from someone like yourself who is seeing the stuff on a daily basis is really important, I think, especially if you are going through either a change management uh, approach, which I know is what you specialise in and, and love, but also if you're looking at that career change because there's specialists in, in many areas. So I think don't be uh, afraid to go down that path. Thank you.